Welcome to the Bridge Beyond English podcast. This is an English podcast that will help you expand your creative thinking, global awareness, and cross cultural communication skills so that you can connect more deeply with the world. I'm your host, David Nagai. Hello and welcome. This episode is about the Enneagram. If you want to read the text version of this episode, you can click on the link in the show notes. So, the word Enneagram is new to a lot of people. Actually, it's become increasingly recognized in the US in the last 10 or 20 years. So, the Enneagram is a personality assessment system that helps people understand themselves and other people more deeply. There are nine personality types, and each type has its unique strengths and weaknesses. The beauty of the Enneagram is partly that you can capitalize or maximize your strengths if you're aware of them. But even more, you can learn to improve your shadow side or your weakness. Many people in the world have a very shallow self understanding. They often don't take the time to reflect on their own strengths and weaknesses. But if you can identify which type you are, you'll have the opportunity. To self reflect and improve the way you live your life. This is my favorite personality assessment tool. And personally, it has deeply influenced my life and my relationships. So I highly recommend it. It might take some time for you to understand what your type is or to understand the whole framework, but I encourage you to begin the journey. And if you're like me, it might deeply impact your life and relationships. Okay, so let's dig in to the different types within the Enneagram. So there are nine types, and we'll go through each type one by one. We'll look at what they are and what their strengths and weaknesses, or what their healthy side is and what their unhealthy side is. So, it's important to remember that every type has strengths and weaknesses. Every type has the potential to act in a healthy way within its type and has the potential to act in an unhealthy way within its type. So, there's no good or bad type. All types are fine. Everyone is a certain type. The key is to understand how to be self aware and how to be the best self you can be. Okay, so let's start with the type one. The type one is often called the reformer. So I'm actually a type one. <laughs> so you can see a little bit about who I am in this. So, the type one reformer is 
a rational idealist. They're highly principled, care about ethics and morality, and are perfectionistic. They have very strong convictions or beliefs about what is right and what is wrong. Since they're attuned to moral principles, they often try to fix, improve, or reform organizations and society. Ones have a fear of being corrupt, or of being bad, or not good enough. Since they try so hard to do what is right, the thought of failing or being wrong scares them. So the root need for a one is to always be right. This means that they can often be stubborn, or they refuse to acknowledge when they're wrong. When ones are unhealthy, they can be overly judgmental and critical. They often experience anger or resentment. But when they're healthy, they're able to let go of nitpicky or tiny details and enjoy the beauty and joy in life, while at the same time improving the world. So that's the one, the reformer. Now let's go to type two. The type two is the helper. Helpers love to serve people and make other people happy. They enjoy people and focus a lot of energy on relationships. Generally, twos are great friends or lovers and are very helpful and harmonious teammates. Twos try to win the love of people by serving or helping. At times, this can feel too intrusive or possessive for those being helped. What twos sometimes don't realize is that their root need is to be loved. But they think that they don't have any needs, and it's other people that have needs that they can fill. So when twos are unhealthy or stressed, they can be prideful, which can lead them to becoming dominating and aggressive. This might happen when they do so much to help others, but don't feel appreciated for their work. When they're healthy, they give their heart and time generously, but also experience the freedom to receive what they need with self-awareness and humility. Okay, so that's the type two helper. The type three is called the achiever. The achiever is confident, charismatic, ambitious, and results-oriented. Being conscious of status, they always try to compete, win, advance, and excel, often putting them in leadership positions. A three's basic desire is to be worthy. That means their basic fear is that they might be perceived as worthless and not valuable. So they're afraid of losing or failing. So when threes are their worst, 
They are vain or egocentric and deceptive and do whatever they need to win. They may overwork or deceptively manipulate situations in order to get ahead. But when threes are at their best, they're authentic, loyal to other people, and contribute to purposeful projects with generous and sensitive energy. So that's the type three achiever. Now the type four is the individualist. The individualist is dramatic, expressive, introspective, and emotional. They ponder the depth of life and long for beauty and meaning. Many fours are creative artists of some sort or another. The four's biggest fear is that they are not important and do not have an individual identity. So they spend their life creating meaning and their unique identity. When they're healthy, they're objective and principled in a way that allows them to add unique value to the world. When they're unhealthy, they become overly moody and clingy or attached to people, often experiencing sadness or meaninglessness. So that's the four, individualist. Type five is the investigator. The investigator is curious, innovative, perceptive, and objective. They live in their heads, are always thinking, and do very thorough research to find the facts. Many fives are researchers or scientists or engineers. Think about Einstein or Stephen Hawking. The five's deep desire is to get more knowledge. This possession of knowledge, they think, will protect them from the uncertainties and threats in the world. If they're not careful, their thirst for knowledge will make them greedy for more and more knowledge. At their best, fives are visionary pioneers who take action to bring valuable new perspectives to the world. But at their worst, they live in their heads and never take meaningful action on their ideas. So that's the type five, the investigator. The type six is the loyalist. The loyalist is responsible, cautious, suspicious, and trustworthy. Being focused on security and commitment, they're usually loyal friends that always make very safe and measured, thoughtful decisions. For a six, the world feels like a dangerous place, and they feel a lot of fear and skepticism. So they spend their energy predicting problems before they arise so they can avoid them. They often doubt themselves, so they try to gain the support of others who will keep them safe. When they're stressed or unhealthy, 
Sixes become competitive and arrogant because they fear the loss of security. But when they're healthy, they're able to capitalize on their ability to pursue wise, safe decisions, but also be relaxed and optimistic in the process. So that's the type six, the loyalist. Next we have type seven, the enthusiast. The enthusiast is variety-seeking, busy, and spontaneous, and loves fun and adventure. They're usually fun to hang out with and bring life to any party or situation. Their curiosity and desire to have interesting new experiences makes them people of high energy and passion. Sevens essentially try to avoid pain and instead maximize satisfaction and contentment in life. They want to be free and never miss out on exciting experiences. It's hard for them to say no to invitations and opportunities. Now, unhealthy enthusiasts can become critical, perfectionistic, and overindulgent or excessive. But when they're at their best, they utilize or harness their passion and energy into a healthy and balanced focus. So that's the type 7 enthusiast. Next we have type 8, the challenger. The challenger is dominating and powerful. They are confident, decisive, and are comfortable with confrontation and conflict. Oftentimes, these bold, controlling types are either leaders or pioneers who fight hard for something they believe in. Eights desire to be self-reliant, important, and controlling of their environment. They never want to be seen as weak or out of control. When they're at their worst, eights are harsh and dominating, always seeking more power and control. I would say Donald Trump is a great example of an unhealthy eight. But at their best, eights use their natural ability to control and challenge to benefit other people and bring justice or reform to the world in a way that other people would not be able. So that's the type 9 challenger. Next, we have the final type, type 9, the peacemaker. Peacemakers are relaxed, agreeable, and humble. They usually try to be supportive and friendly and help keep the peace in the group. Most people like nines because they're so easy to connect with and are so harmonious. What nines fear is conflict that will separate them from the group they belong to, which might cause them to lose the peaceful and secure relationships they have. By being peacemakers, they can cultivate 
the stability and peace that they so desire. When nines are unhealthy, they can be anxious, passive, and lazy, simply trying to avoid any type of conflict, even if it should be faced. But when they're healthy, they become more assertive, embracing who they are and taking action, even if it may lead them into uncomfortable confrontation that is necessary for change. So which type do you think you are? When you realize your type, you most likely will feel both convicted and embarrassed. That's okay. Most people do. If you're not sure, take a test in English or Japanese at the links provided in the show notes or at the blog called The Enneagram at bridgebeyondenglish.com. Now, I just want to finish by making a few observations about the Enneagram types as they connect with different cultures, specifically my culture, American culture, and Japanese culture, where I live. So remember that every type is not good or bad in itself, but can live in a healthy positive, or unhealthy, negative way. So our challenge is to try to become the most positive, healthy version of our type and try to be sensitive to other people where they are. It's important to recognize that every Enneagram type exists in every culture. But some cultures accept certain types more than others. So it's easier to act a certain type in one culture than it is in a different culture because of cultural expectations and norms. So for example, let's look at American culture. Type 1 is very appreciated. So it's positive in American culture to protest and to start a revolution and to start something new to bring change. Now, according to my students, as we discuss this in class, Japanese can also appreciate the type 1 reformer, but not if they're too radical. So the Japanese type 1 reformer, in order to be accepted by society, usually needs to be sure that they act in a harmonious way that is not too extreme. So the American reformer has the freedom to shout and fight and protest, but in Japan, there's this attitude that if they are harmonious and working to improve the system in a way that works well with other people over time is deeply appreciated. If you look at type two, the helper, this is very, very appreciated in Japanese culture. Traditionally, when there was more of a gender role for women, which was unequal, but it existed, a lot of women were conditioned to act as helpers. Now, this is also true in American culture, but more so in the past. The helper is seen as positive in the U.S., but not as glorified as some of the other types. So if you're a woman, 
and you think that you're a type 2 helper, just ask yourself, is it your culture or is it gender stereotypes that have conditioned you to think that you're a 2? Or is it actually who you are? There are plenty of women and men who are 2s, and that's great. It's fine. But a question to ask is, is it conditioned by your gender or culture? So think critically before you assume what you are. The type 3 achiever in American culture is probably seen as one of the best types. We see this in the U.S. as the ideal leader. And again, traditionally, in the old days, men were more conditioned to be achievers. But now, more and more women are able to embrace their achiever type. In Japanese culture, the achiever can be seen as positive, according to my students, if they're not too strong. And generally, with the more consensus-oriented culture, the achiever is less popular. But then again, that's changing depending on the type of context you're in within Japan. As for the type 4, the individualist, this is deeply appreciated in American culture because in American culture, being unique is wonderful. If you're not at least a little bit unique, people might feel that you're a little bit boring or bland. On the flip side, in Japanese culture, sticking out is traditionally at least seen as negative. So, of course, there are plenty of individualists in Japanese culture, and sometimes they don't care if they stick out, and they like to stick out. But oftentimes, type 4 individualists in Japan can struggle to be themselves because of the pressure to conform and follow the rules and blend in. Once again, this is a generalization, but according to what I've discussed with my students, uh, many people think that this is the situation. So if we look at the type 5, the investigator, so the researcher, the engineer, the scientist, this is probably one type that is deeply valued in both Japanese and American culture. So probably if you're an investigator in American or Japanese culture, you have no problem doing your job, being yourself, and people generally appreciate and respect you. Type 6, the loyalist, in American culture, well, this is a very good team member, a very good spouse, a very good accountant. Loyalists are great. It's not seen as the most glorified role, however, in contrast with the risk-taking entrepreneur that Americans idolize. In Japan, I think that the type 6 loyalist is seen as very wise and smart because loyalty and avoiding risk are very, very important in Japanese culture. So loyalists are very appreciated and fit very well into Japanese culture. For the seven... The enthusiast, Americans obviously love enthusiasts, so it's quite easy for them to be themselves and to be the life of the party in the U.S. I think that 
In Japan, enthusiasts are appreciated if they bring a fun atmosphere and life to an event or situation, but they probably have to be careful not to overstep the boundaries and cultural expectations. But I'm not actually so sure about how people think about that. The Type 8, the Challenger, I would say is quite appreciated in many ways. In American culture, to challenge something demonstrates that you have a strong opinion and that you have power, and people admire that. So strong leaders often rise to the top. People who start new things or challenge the norm So, in Japanese culture, I think this is probably one of the least favorable. So, if you're a challenger in Japanese culture, it will be very difficult to be accepted. So, you'll have to offer your challenging ideas and power in a way that is a little more harmonious. And finally, the type 9. I would say in American culture, the type 9 people love, but they're not always idolized as the ideal person to become. But they're great teammates and great friends. In Japanese culture, I think we all know that the type 9 peacemaker is very much desirable. People love to have peacemakers. On their team and as friends and family, peacemakers who can make a harmonious relationship and avoid conflict at all costs is very, very positive in Japanese culture. Okay, so there you have it my little cultural analysis of the Enneagram comparing American and Japanese culture. So, once again, if you want to read the text version of this episode, you can go to the show notes and click the link. And you can also take the Enneagram test in English or in Japanese at the links provided. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time.